0: Now approaching junction at platform
1: passengers, report, please stay on board. Next stop
0: road station. iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. Hello and welcome to the Game Podcast from The Times. I'm Natalie Sawyer.
1: And I'm Gregor Robertson. We're with you twice a week throughout the season for all the best reaction and analysis from some of the best football writers in the business.
0: Joining us today are the Times' very own Matt Dickinson and Alison Rudd. Later on, we'll look back on another busy weekend of Premier League action, which includes a hat-trick for Timu Pukki, firing Norwich to their first three points since their top-flight return. We'll also discuss a very promising start for Arsenal with six points from six. But first, to the Etihad, where once again, VAR stole the headlines. Pep Guardiola said he would have to accept it after a VAR decision overruled what looked to have been a late winner over Tottenham now it's the second time VAR has ruined City's celebrations in the dying moments against Spurs if you remember back to last season's Champions League quarterfinal Maurizio Pochettino despite being on the right side of the decision had a similar view I'm going to accept the rules and I will in the future because for some Shaw will be against us and I will sit here with the same face and accept it question is do we have to accept it um it clearly isn't pleasing that many people in the game that are, that are either there or at home
2: watching it Alison what do you make of it at all right now well, it's, it's become a dystopia hasn't it this isn't this isn't what people thought it was going to be they mm. thought Val was going to be this shiny bright future where everything was perfection and there was no more discussion about being hard done to or hard done by and if you felt angry, all you had to do was look at a, a screen and a monitor, and you'd be shown the light, and you would know that you'd got it wrong. And that technology was perfect. And it's an absolute nonsense. And it'd be, you know, really, really be careful what you wish for. Or in Brexit time now, be careful what you <laughs> wish for, because it's it's nasty, it's um, unpleasant, and it is spo- it is definitely spoiling the bits of football we love. Don't
1: hold back, Adam. I don't know.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I, don't know about the, I, don't, I don't know what can be nasty about. A- a video screen and a replay. I mean I, I you know I'm a I've been a proponent of it um since going to sit in the first van that was in Holland about 5 years ago and um you know I, get, I that doesn't mean that I can't see the the problems and the the city issue was one of the problems that I think the handball the reinterpretation the reworking of the handball uh what is handball has been one of the big mistakes of of the last year or so i thought at the at the world cup uh, in russia the system works absolutely perfectly apart from a couple of of prominent handballs this idea of ball striking hand i think has been totally um allowed you know by by the people involved to become you know frustratingly become a a complication of ER. Mm-hmm. because without i think i think it's been the biggest issue of it Without it, I I can't see what the issues are. I don't, you know, what's the what's the complaint Um, aside from, say, the handball, which since the start there have been too many handballs. The complaint, the
2: complaint is that you can't celebrate a goal anymore.
3: Well, but people say that you know the quarter final, the Champions League, that was one of the most amazing moments of last season. City think they're through, suddenly they're not through. Guardiola goes from running down the touchline with his, you know, throwing his arms in the air saying way to absolute despair. And who did not at that moment go, oh, my God, what an amazing moment of drama. But that's schadenfreude. That's, do
2: do? that's also, not football.
3: No, but it will. But sometimes, you know, decisions change. You know, it's it's it. You know, I think it's, it's, it. it's also judging it on like, you know, on you know, if you look at the length of time we've been watching football for, everyone is rushing to this. I love it or I hate it judgment after 5 minutes, you know, 5 seconds in the great scheme of things. Why not, you know, allow la- say, okay, we're making a bit of a hash of handball decisions. Let's try and make a, a, a better fist of handball decisions. The, I- think... the idea that you take this and say we are too inept, we are too stupid, we are, you know, too incompetent to make it somehow work for the good of the game strikes me as as utterly bonkers.
1: We're 2 weeks into the season and already we have people questioning whether the technology even exists to to rule on offsides, you know, like whether the <laughs> the speed of the frames or mm-hmm. you know this is how deep we're getting into it, and and yes, the the handball law has been a been a huge, a huge issue, and it's high, it wouldn't have been highlighted without VAR. So I think the two are connected. Um,
2: they wouldn't have introduced it if they didn't have VAR. They wouldn't have thought about that rule if they didn't know they could enforce it through VAR. It's not enforceable. Perhaps, without perhaps VAR. But
1: it wouldn't even have been part of this, this discussion. That that goal. Like the handball would not have even existed if 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 not for VAR. So, and it also did, yeah, I mean your your Brexit analogy sort of did sort of make some sense. It's kind of I don't know are, the people sitting at Stockley Park are kind of the experts here, and we're sort of already questioning the the, the rulings of the experts. Had enough of experts. Mm. <laughs> so like I, I think I think we're sort of after two weeks, no one could have possibly have thought that this was gonna. Create so much all right,
2: relief. then fast forward, I agree two weeks isn 't time to judge much in the world, but fast forward to the uh, may beginning of may won 't football have just become a bit more soulless because we 'd have got used to thinking oh they 're probably going to they 're probably going to say there was a an armpit hair that made that goal offside I'm gonna i 'm not going to celebrate. and everything we, will be a bit
3: we need to look yeah, but we played an entire World cup. I don't remember anyone saying that was a dull World Cup. We played, you know, we played, the, the, it was one of the, last season is recorded as one of the outstanding, exciting seasons and VAR was involved in a, an awful lot of Champions League games. I don't remember anyone saying it was a terrible Champions League season. Quite the opposite. It was absolutely fantastic. Partly because, mostly because of some great games and great goals, but partly because of that, that incredible Spurs-City game. It's, it's, it's sort of, you know... Is it not better know, for us at home, though? You know,
1: they, well, a... I've been in
3: stadium where I've been. I've, you know, again, it's all part of improving it. I, I, I think again, one of the blind spots sat with Boban from FIFA, who was one of the big proponents of, of driving it through for the World Cup, and and there was an acceptance that there was a one of the blind spots among all the people, you know, mostly referees, trying to bring it in was communication. Hundred percent, they, they, you know, anyone for the first couple of years had had. Not considered enough, the fan in the in the stand who needs to be told what's going on. But again, we can develop all that. You know, in the in the MLS, they've been uh, looking at whether you have, you know, like they do with the NFL, you have the, the the mic'd up, the referee mic'd up, and he says number seven, you know, handball, goal disallowed. So you have a different type of communication. We're looking at whether you can show more on you know more and more modern stadiums with big screens. What can you show on the big screens? Yes, again, you know, it's there has been a lack of foresight about what fans need in grounds. But to throw the whole thing again, I come back to this idea of we all sit here, you know, next week and go, you know what, oh, fill up with it, shove it in the bin. I just think, you know, in ten years' time, it might not even take ten years' time, in one year's time, we'll be saying, God, will we that my- that impatient, that that useless, that just that ru- that, it's you know it's football. Everyone wants to rush to judgment, but the idea that we rush to judgment and accept that this cannot work strikes me as, as I say, come back to just mad. My only
1: worry is that if there's ever going to be a time where people where there is a, a satisfactory law for deciding what is offside or not, or handball or not, because. Var has, v- VAR has highlighted these these issues that weren't really in existence before and wants to say that it won't keep going on down the line.
3: Well, I think, you know, that's where you have to 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 be strong about. I mean, I don't personally I think why do you need to change the idea that a referee makes a judgment on whether it's a deliberate handball or not and if he 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 makes that judgment and if you know, and then another guy on a video is having to make the same judgment of was that, you know, did he, you know, was there intent or was, you know, you, you just framed the rules in a, in a way and both officials have to read this way. You know, why, why do we need a rule now that says in the build-up to a goal? So if that's, it's handball if the attacker does mm. it, but it's not handball if the defender, you know, I think that's just a, a really yeah. badly written yeah. rule.
0: Yeah, it makes it all very murky, doesn't it, as well. And, and Alison, obviously, you're, you're a qualified referee, so, to get your take on the handball rule as it stands, this this law that was changed, how would you find having to implement that in the game? Would you find it uneasy when it comes down to the attacker perhaps being penalised for handball, which you know would not necessarily be deliberate?
2: Yeah, no, do my head in because you you have to flip your brain for every goal area incident because you. It's really tough. It is tough to 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 work out what's touch? what, the speed of the ball. You know, most of the time you want to let the game flow. You, It's kind of obvious to a point when someone's done that deliberate stick the arm out, to stop the ball going in the back of the net. But to flip your brain and think, is that person gaining advantage as an attacker or a defender... That that is hard. I think that's mm-hmm. like asking. That's like when you get in a car abroad and you're driving on the other side of the road, and you have to spend the first sort of twenty minutes readjusting, telling yourself over and over again. And you would find it's hard enough just to concentrate being a referee. You know, Howard Webb famously told me he had to ping an elastic band on his wrist to make sure he just didn't switch off and start thinking about going shopping. You have to. You you'd have to keep telling yourself, okay, that hit an arm, that hit an arm, that hit an arm off a defend off a defender. It's okay. That was probably completely accidental it was close range oh that hit the arm of a an attacker i mean he it, it was he it was next to a defender and the, they were both in the same position and if it had hit the if it hit the defender's arm i wouldn't have blown up oh but i'm supposed to blow up because it actually hit the it is an absolute mess and it's asking a lot of referees which is why i don't believe they'd have brought in the rule and i agree with matt it's a stupid one they wouldn't have brought it in if they didn't think oh, VAR will help us just clarify which elbow that was it's ridiculous. I, think, I mean, I
3: think. I mean, ultimately, I guess there's, you know, and this, this, this becomes a more a sort of existential debate about what people want from football. But you know, I, I think, yeah, it's amazing to think. Right, we're having this argument now about, you know, and what turns out whether you agree with the rule or not, as most of us don't seem to, a goal has been disallowed because of the you know, officials are following. Now, how many, you know, if you take away VR and we're back to arguing about the incompetence, mm. you know, the, how many weeks, weeks, weeks do we have the back pages, which I used to get incredibly bored with um, either reading or quite often probably writing as well. Manager says referee is useless, manager says linesman is useless. And we, you know, we've, that, that's basically pretty much filled the back pages of newspapers for the last 20 years, 50 years, 100 years, because. You know, it was it was possible. Yeah, you know, they were making human mistakes inevitably, and a manager who wants to blame everyone apart from himself or his own players can blame an official. So we had this endless, endless. So, you know, it's do we okay? Do we want to go back to that of just that lazy world where a, you know a manager just says, "Oh, I'll blame him," and everyone goes along with it, and and it just uh, you know it. We have to think about what we want from the game, and I'm I don't think we want mathematical perfection about offsides. I think you know more thought needs to go into that but let's remember how do you 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 rewind from uh, that but also do we want do we want the mistakes that are made do we want those big mistakes that are you know that are changing games you know this this we can this this thing because this uh, laporte handball becomes this huge controversy but what's a bigger controversy the idea that in a massive game a goal is scored that should never have been allowed in the first place
2: no rewind rewind you just said we don't want mathematical perfection in offside. Well, no, you can't, you can't come back from that now.
3: Well, you, I th- I, to be honest, I think you know it's part of the, part of what needs discussion consideration. I mean, I think, you know, I didn't, I didn't support VR with sort of that as the forefront of my mind. It was about trying to help referees, um, avoid, you know, because they can't have eyes in the back of their heads, missing quite a lot of big decisions. Now, you know. Obviously the offside thing again is something that's become more pronounced. I mean it's not of all the things about VR, it's the least offensive to me about you know, you make a decision and a guy's off side, if it's by an inch, it's an inch, it's offside. But it's all I'm saying is that it wasn't one of my driving forces for a while. But you know, the the, the, the bottom line is if you want to get rid of VAR, okay, let's let's get rid of it. But let's go back to a world where referees make mistakes and Everyone's getting outraged by that, and referees are blaming, uh, managers are blaming them, and we go back. To, you know, it's it's a different it's a
1: different problem. One thing I found quite amusing was Pep Guardiola after the game was basically being told by interviewers, "Don't worry, these things even them. You know, this will even itself out mm-hmm. over the season," <laughs> which is exactly what we were hearing like for years before VAR came in. Yeah. So we're, these little sort of nonsensical decisions, well, you'll get one of those one of these days, and that's you know. So what's changed in that regard?
0: Well, let's just quickly talk about both the teams then that played out in this draw. Um, Both teams remain undefeated after their first two games. Alison, did the draw rubber-stamp Tottenham's ambitions of being genuine title challengers, do you think?
2: It showed us that they have some qualities that I think they've been accused of not having in the past. They were without Ali and without Son, two of their most creative players, really important players, and... Ericsson, you feel, you know, if 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 Pochettino didn't need him in the team, he might not have put him in the team. He's worried about whether he's going to stay or not. So I think given those problems and the fact, you know, Tottenham are the team saying, oh, the transfer window hasn't ended. Oh, you know, It's still there for us to be worried about. Given all that, I think it showed some resilience and grown-upness, maturity, which I think we, we think they've lacked. Um, it's, you know, it, it the stats showed that, that City were... With the better team, if you like. They created so much more than Tottenham, but there is credit to be gained from from coping with that and defending reasonably well. And when you get the glimmer of a chance, having the the ability to take it, they didn't overall impress. But I I am I did like the fact that given they're in a state of flux at the moment, Spurs they they didn't buckle and to get a point, it's an ex- excellent result I think given mm. the way the game unfolded. And a word on City, twice they threw away the
0: lead in that game. Do they have any reasons to be concerned? I know Paul Hurst writes in the game that that the VAR row disguises their lack of killer instinct. Do City need to be more clinical?
1: Well, they had 30 shots, I think, in the game. Um, And obviously only scored two goals, possibly should have had a third. Well, should have had a third. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I think there is some truth in that. And I think... uh, that's Pep Guardiola's only real criticism, I think, of his side. He he said that that was one of the best performances he'd had had from that team, really. Um and some of the play from De Bruyne in particular and, and Silva picking up those little spaces that sort are of in between the full back and the centre half and in between the lines. That just so hard to mark and the number of chances that they created from there. Um so yeah, I mean they could have scored more goals, but I think we're being pretty picky there. <laughs>
2: That's our job. <laughs> um, but VAR also masked that weird row between Aguero and his manager. Yes. Which, well, I mean, if, <laughs> if there That's hadn't a cozy been... a
0: cosy hug at the end, though.
2: If there hadn't been the VAR and there hadn't been, you know, it's day 2-2 two, two without any controversy, we would probably be focusing on maybe Pep asking too much of his players, being too much of a perfectionist. You yeah, know, is true. that is that is it a good thing to, to so visibly in front of the world show how angry you are with mm. somebody and for that player to look like, oh, I'm at the end of my tether with you, you're always having a go at me. So, it, you know, I don't I don't know that City are very good generally at coping with it not going their way. I mean, you know, when they play well, they win. They win convincingly. Mm. And it all looks like we've we've got... That's what we came out to do, that's fine. But when it wobbles slightly, you know, is that I don't, you know, generally... Most people scared to criticise Guardiola, but I don't think I just generally don't think it's a good thing for a manager to to so openly criticise a player.
3: I can report from a bar in Greece where I watched the game um, (laughs) that the uh, main talking point was Bernardo Silva's skill. Basically, I mean that particular moment when he was protecting the ball from what seemed like the entire Spurs team. I think he's now uh, and now Hazard's gone. I, I would probably say he's my he's the player I would. You know, most across the road to watch. I think um, has it up, probably up till up till now. But um, I just think you know, you'd watch him just juggle a ball, wouldn't you? Just um, he's just got that lovely uh, lovely way about him. Um, yeah, he's 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 almost my uh, my favourite you know ball juggling player to, to, to watch <laughs> in, the, in, in the league these days.
0: Well, you mentioned Hazard, of course, former Chelsea player, and Chelsea are still without a win this season, and Frank Lampard is still without a win since returning to Stamford Bridge. Why is that? After they make it seem such a great start to games, Gregor, when you look back at the game against Manchester United and then the game against Leicester, what's going wrong with them? I think
1: I think we can see that there's definite sort of the fingerprints of Frank Lampard and and the way that the team set up and pressing very high and that's where the the goal obviously came from with Mason Mount. Um sort of kind like trigger points almost where the ball goes to went to N- Ndidi and he was off. Uh and not only was he off to press, the sort of it's rare that they go and try and win the ball, so you actually win the ball. That sounds silly, but it's a risk to go and try and win the ball. Players are so good they can turn away and then you're you're wide open. Um so that was I think that's the most noticeable thing from from uh from Lampard's team so far. Uh it's just the question is can they sort of maintain that that high tempo mm-hmm. and, and that pressing uh even through at 90 minutes so far? Uh and he actually there was issues with that at, at Derby County last season too. There was kind of spells really impressive, um pressing and and just sort of and general play, but then moments where they really sort of dipped and, and they would often concede goals. Poor goals to concede, they'd be left seem wide open, particularly in midfield. So that's something he's going to have to address, and also they need to score more goals when they're creating the chances. Because it's hard to see a striker. That's it's hard to see anyone who's going to get kind of double digit figures and goals this season for them, which is going to be a huge issue. Isn't it? I mean, on and on that pressing
3: issue. Isn't there? uh, Because I remember it being discussed as well with Klopp's Liverpool of actually having to work out the team's maturity so that they can actually even sense when there needs to be a sort of controlled retreat. You know, you can't press with that intensity all the time. And as we saw with Leicester, change of system, change of tactics themselves, but that maybe that's going to have to, yeah, you know, maybe that's going to take a while for Frank himself of, of, of understanding how to train a team that they they sort of s- smell it themselves of when actually either they haven't got the legs or they're not pressing in sync or that other teams worked out a way of passing around the press that they they have the maturity to adjust themselves. Yeah. Well, it must, be hard, it must yeah. be hard to train a team that can... I mean, no one trains a team to press relentlessly, do no. they? But no. Well,
2: Mourinho had it spot on when he analysed the game at Old Trafford. And he said, yes, you and press and be adventurous but you have to have a plan for the minute you lose possession, you can't just react to it, you have to know what you're going to do
3: That's, that's where tactical fouls come in in his case Well yeah. yes, <laughs> and, and yeah. indeed
2: with with lots Exactly, exactly, they're the, exactly. Two, two, that, they're, they're, they're
3: the best at that like yeah, But that's
2: else. the moment at which Chelsea look naive, they don't look yeah. naive going forward and flooding forward, they look great, it's fine it's fantastic, but they don't they engage in tactical fouls when they lose possession. It's as if they, they still Frank, they're Frank, still looking slightly surprised.
3: But Frank should know that better now because I actually remember speaking to Mikel Forsell about it at Chelsea, and um, I'm sure it was him. But I was sort of asking about uh, this was early first phase Mourinho at Chelsea, and and saying what was you know what it is uh, is it about this guy? And and I was expecting some sort of rocket science, and he said basically they went into pre season and they spent a month doing transitions. It was all about you know because they were this. Yeah, you in know, in those that period in particular, you never saw a Chelsea team that team lose a single goal to a concede one to a counter attack. It just never happened because he had drilled them so hard. Of any time we lose the ball, we will have minimum six men behind. We will be fouling seventy yards up the pitch. It just you know that con- that wisdom that control um, was relentlessly reinforced.
1: One thing I would say is that Canti is obviously. Still playing a little bit more advanced, and and he's impressed. And he's in fact, when they are pressing, he 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 stole the ball and and set up a goal in the Super Cup uh, during the weekend. But when they lose the ball, he's somebody. He's in fact the the player most in the world you would want behind play. You know mm. because he's almost like he'll, he, as people have said, he's he covers so much ground. Uh, so having him in in a deeper role, that and that and in, in those moments, those sort of transitions is very valuable. But at the moment, it looks like he's going to continue playing them Higher up the pitch.
0: Well, how hard a balancing act does Lampard have on his hands right now, mixing the older pros with the younger players? Alison, could they even be a problem for Lampard if he doesn't really keep the experienced players on side?
2: Well, yeah, of course it is, and that's one reason why David Louise left, I think. He just didn't feel he was going to be integral to Lampard's plans, he wasn't prepared to be a bit part player, having been so important. Both on the field and to the managers, and in the dressing room, and so you sort of feel like William came on, and I don't know if he was fully fit or not, but he didn't look happy. He didn't. He looked like someone who thought, "Oh, this is another regime where I am not sure they completely trust me." Mm. Whereas he was player of the season not so long ago. It is, it is hard, and it's, I, you know, they know best. They have the stats. They have constant. Monitoring and know the stats of the players, but you know, as as a fan, you're lagging behind on that, and you you know who your favourites are. And I think probably that is Frank Lampard's toughest job, and he probably thought it wasn't going to be that tough because there was an overwhelming feeling at Stamford Bridge, especially because of the way Surrey likes to use a very use to, used to like a very small group of players. And didn't really want to give anybody a chance to break through and it just became this relentless screeching from the stands. Give Callum Hudson a door a chance, give him a chance. And in the end Sarry gave in. If you're a manager coming into that environment and you like giving youngsters a chance, then it sort of feels like that the the book's been written for you. And he's got um He's got husband to come back in. You know, it'd be interesting to see how Reese James does. I'm sure he'll give him a chance, for example. These are young players. But for every young player, you get applause for giving them that, you know, sense of that they're real Chelsea. They came through the academy. You're you're dumping somebody who's also real Chelsea because they've been there for quite a long time now. Who are we talking and,
1: about though? What,
2: well, Willian, William, hugely popular player and still very talented, but obviously Slightly maybe slightly past his peak, I don't even know if that's true. Pedro he allowed to play the whole game, but because I think because he's so energetic, but maybe he was you know he's got to try and keep him on site maybe he should have come off actually it's 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 that balance isn't it it's
1: Alonso on the bench maybe but I, I don't think there's I don't
2: as equator he's the captain well he's happy but he's. <laughs> i don't i mean when does he drop him? when when do you when do you ease in and ease out i think it's when are you've it, come from a group of players where you've had very very little in the way of rotation and players feel they've established themselves at a club and they they suddenly don't know if they're going to be well how they how they how they are perceived by the manager is whether they're, they're, he's going to you know rely on them or not that can create it can problems. but i think it
1: should also just make you raise your standards you should have to if Ross Barkley wants to play ahead of Mason Mount or, or vice versa, and they've, they've got competition, I think it should raise standards. And as I said, I don't think they have a deep enough squad for it really to be an issue over the course of a, a Premier League season. Yeah, but it's,
2: it's a, yeah, OK, of course I agree with you. It's a, You should raise your standards. But if you feel as a player you're losing your place to a philosophy as opposed to just the stats, then that's harder, isn't it?
1: I don't, do you think that's true, though? I think he plays Mason Mount because he thinks he's the best player to play there. I don't... I don't think, who else is there? Tammy Abraham, there's no one else really apart from Giroud up front. So they're, they're, he's doing this through necessity as much as philosophy. I think I think Mason Mount is the one player who he clearly has some sort of affinity yeah. with and he's worked with him. He apparently wrote a report for him when he was, about him when he was doing his A licence and he's had him at Derby and, and Jodie Morris has worked with him throughout the, the youth ranks as well. So yeah, they have an affinity with him and they, they see something in him and they're giving him a chance that Sari certainly wouldn't have, and probably many other managers wouldn't. But otherwise, I'm not so sure. I think really he's playing the best team he has.
3: Well, I think yeah. I mean, I think William was. I think there was certainly um, more than suggestions that he was looking maybe at moving on, and you know maybe he's come back from pre, uh, pre, for pre-season. Not quite, shall we say, on it. Given that there was there was clearly hope that he might get uh, a big move um, somewhere else. So. So, yeah, as, as Gregor says, I think they're, they're, they're not so blessed, are they, that, um, I mean, everyone's going to get games and um, up to someone like William to, to, to hit form.
0: And a word on Leicester. They've only picked up two points from two games, obviously pulled themselves back into that game yesterday. From what you've seen of Leicester so far, has Brendan Rodgers' side showed enough to prove that they are top six contenders?
1: I think so. I think, I, I thought it was interesting as well in the sort of, pre-match there was an interview with Madison and and Chilwell um and they were sort of I mentioned in the preview podcast it feels like a club where they are very ha- all the players are very happy to be there and especially the young players they were saying that Madison was saying that this is there's probably no better club in the Premier League for young players like us to be at you know we we all want to be at, at this club playing for a progressive manager now it's sort of Really, kind of a, a unity there as well, and you know, the good relationship with the owner and and the fans and everything. I think I just think there's a sort of good atmosphere there, and they have a lot of a lot of talent. And James Madison in particular showed that he's created more chances than any any other player in the Premier League, even Hazard since the beginning of last season. Uh, and I think they have they're they're best placed out of out of anyone to beat the top six. And
3: and they have a very good coach. I mean, you know, Brendan as ever polar you know he polarizes maybe people more than pretty much any <laughs> any that, manager is that a, a out,
0: out hint there into alison <laughs>
3: <laughs> but he knows and yeah, but I, you know i think no, whatever you people think of him and you know he say he um, he certainly provokes uh, opinions i think well no one with, no one with a, 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 any brain or understanding as far as i'm aware doubts that he's a really good coach he knows how to improve individuals um he knows how to you know he's look at the tactical change he made against Chelsea you know they were they were struggling because everybody got it wrong in the first half, but he brought Madison into the middle, and it suddenly so it changed. They were much more on the front foot, and it and it changed everything. Wouldn't and,
2: he if it he would he'd be a better coach if he got it right from the start? Well, abso- though, absolutely, I, mean, but I Madison think, didn't do anything in the first half. You know, he he comes. Made it, yeah, but uh,
3: <laughs> if you make a mistake, best to uh, best to correct it. So I think you know, I think he's um, he's he's a bright coach, personality which rubs some people up the wrong, wrong way, and you know, he's, he's he's uh hugely ambitious, which you know sometimes is sort of held held as a criticism but um, I think uh, yeah I think he knows how to improve footballers that's the most important thing
0: VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen
3: VoiceOver on settings
0: so you can navigate it just by listening
3: books contacts calendar double tap to open breakfast with Anna from 10 to
0: 11 and get on with your day accessibility there's more to iPhone Two games in is, of course, far too early to use the table as any kind of signpost for what's to come this season. But Arsenal have two wins in two and there's been plenty to smile about. Their superstar forwards are firing, Aubameyang with two and Lacazette with one. And then you've got the emergence of Pepe that's made the front three look very impressive. So,
2: Alison, where do they compare with the rest of the Premier League front threes, would you say? Oh, they're looking, I mean that i mean the weird part was that their 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 attack was amazing last season and it was almost in spite of lots of things for example i think the the best praise you could give a bummyang was that he was getting away shots and scoring and there didn't seem to be anybody creating stuff for him he was just sort of occasionally just running onto a ricochet ball and making it count and now and now that they have you know some sort of cohe cohesive creative pattern to them you, you do wonder if they're going to be really high scorers in in this season anyway mm. they do look they do look good really good um and Ceballos I know everyone drooled over him which makes me want to say well he's not that good is he but he actually was <laughs> I it is it's just really lovely to see a player who looks so comfortable a in the division and b in the team he managed to look confident without looking cocky his decision making was really good his balance was good it looked like an absolutely A star signing to me
1: mm. I think it's good also the fact that they have a few a few guys from their academy playing as well you know a lot of other teams have been spoken about Chelsea in particular but they're, they had three players on Saturday that were, that were sort of really impressive and they've been waiting for a while they've had chances out on loan um, and I think that also sort of helps the Arsenal fans feel happy about their team and you know a bit of connection because not it's not been a happy place for a while, the Emirates. Um and they look a bit younger and more dynamic really too. They just seem to look look a much fresher outfit this season so far. It's early. Um <laughs> and they still have still have question marks about them defensively. David Lewis was a big improvement by by um by what everyone said on, on, on Saturday so and he's he's obviously experienced and and uh, will improve them, but I think they they want to get Tierney back soon and uh, Bellerin as well. So mm-hmm. that I think I still have question marks defensively, but I agree with Alison; they could score a lot of goals this season.
0: I mean, Matt, it is early, obviously, in the season, but how exciting do Arsenal look this time around?
3: I think it's, it's trajectory, isn't it? I mean, I think you know, I I put them to be top four um, this season, and I think we can see. Yeah, if I was an Arsenal fan, I think at, at last I would see, you know, solid steps uh, forward and, and, and upwards. I can still see two centre-halves with their heads in their hands looking at each other going, you know, <laughs> that was your fault, not mine. <laughs> um, and everyone just agreeing it was probably both of them. But, I, I, you know, I think I think they'll be top four. Uh, I think, you know, I don't mean they'll be challenging um, even, if, even if those front three score. Bag full of goals. I don't think they'll be challenging for the title or or or, or that close to it. But uh, the, yeah, they've, they've got a they've got a chance of being the you know the best team in North London. Um, the which, only uh, the
1: only thing is that Chabalos is not going to be there for more than a season by all accounts. it would take something pretty spectacular for them to, to get hold of him permanently. But it looks like they're going to enjoy seeing him play this season. He really was something, and they got a, got a song. Uh, Casola Song I think is sort of swapped his name for <laughs> for that so um yeah no I think look forward to watching him play more this season definitely
0: mm. Sean Dyche, on the other hand wasn't happy the Burnley boss was disappointed in the way Arsenal players were throwing themselves to the ground too easily uh, he said it allows players to cheat at least once a game and when uh, he was asked how to fix it he said simple ban them it would be out of football within a month so th- there is a ban that already exists but is there more that can be done to combat simulation in football, Alison?
3: We need, we need a VAR, we need a, a video, some, <laughs> some weird video system that, that means you can spot things. Well,
2: it, well, it does, it, as you say, it exists. You can retrospectively now take action against players that cheat. And I, I don't know, I think Sean Dyche is probably cross that it just sort of interrupts the flow of the game and breaks down attacks and causes problems on the day and, and retrospective doesn't help a small club like Burnley would be how he'd put it, I expect. but um, I don't I don't feel it's a, a blight on the game particularly. I mean most weeks there's there's probably one that's a bit foolish and everyone has a laugh at the player that rolled over 16 times because a fingernail clipped his cheekbone. But that that feels like an aberration rather than something that is ruining football. Mm. And I think someone like Deich, because it's he his style is is pretty. Uh, I don't want to say anything rude, but I mean, he, he you know it's not they're not the most flair team. They're pretty straightforward. He, he likes players who are honest and straightforward. He, you know, it's just not his style, is it, to have the type of player who feels that they're very, very balletic and they can't be touched, otherwise they're going to fall over. So I just think it's just very irritating from his point of view. And it probably does occasionally affect the flow of a game. From, from From a Burnley standpoint, it probably does affect the flow of the game. And he would, of course he'd like to see anyone who does that just immediately sent off or something. But it's not, I just, I think he's, I just, I'm, I like Sean like a lot. I just don't think it's a blight at the moment. It just, it it just I think there are two he's things,
1: two things confused really are, are it's players going down too easily which is just part of the game now uh compared to diving well he thinks that is diving Mm -hmm. essentially yeah um you know there's half of sean dyke wishes football was like it was 25 years ago i think and the other half of him is sort of pioneering these modern methods so he's but he's still got that that sort of voice in his ear saying that somebody's going down too easily it's not the way the game should be uh I Have some some sympathy for that, to be honest. Who's
3: that, that, that impersonator? My, son, my sons always watching him, he, he, and he has, he does uh, Sean Dyson, and he he does this where he, he sees I don't know some manager feeding those players broccoli and stuff, and he says, "No, you you want to be feeding them gravel and bricks and, <laughs> and barbed wire, basically." I mean, that's that is the type of manager he is. But I I don't think anyone, any of us, think that there's a an epidemic of of simulation going on. I you know, I think culturally. The English game, we still have this aversion to it. We see it as something that's, you know, it's it's just not done. It's it doesn't, yeah. You know, it Greats it grates with our psyche, and we make a massive deal of it. And I think players are aware of that. I think you know, overseas players who come to England who do push their luck are pretty quickly made aware that you know we may have our flaws, but we you know we um, we stamp down on uh, on simulation pretty pretty fast and pretty hard.
0: Did I have any point though, with regards to the Arsenal players, Gregor, or is it just a case of managed deflection?
1: Yeah, I think it's the latter. Really, I don't. I don't. There was not. There wasn't one moment that stood out, and you thought, yeah, he's, you know, he's got a point there. Um, but the, I, I have some. Like I say, I have some sympathy for him. A, because I'm a defender, and B, because <laughs> I played 15 years ago when you you could kind of um, touch someone and they wouldn't fall over. I remember playing against other nations for Scotland 21s like Spain and stuff and being amazed when that was my first experience of how easily a player would go over but that's just that's what modern football is, is like now it's the Premier League is not like traditional old-fashioned English football that Sean Dyche sometimes you get the impression would still like it to be.
0: Timu Pooke admitted he wouldn't have even dreamt of a day like this after he terrorised Newcastle with a hat-trick making it four in two games for Norwich on their return to the Premier League. Now we spoke last week that if Norwich continued to play the way they played against Liverpool, then they would score goals. How important is it for a team to have a prolific goal scorer, especially for a team, Alison, that you imagine will be spending the season, most of the season, up against it?
2: It's really important, isn't it? Because he's an outlet. So he does everything. He He can score goals if they're on top. And if they're not on top, they know they can get the ball up to him and he can do something with it. So he's crucial. And also there's... The the new theme for promoted team is, teams is keep the best of what you had that got you there and don't meddle too much. So we're worried about Villa and we're worried, we were worried about Fulham, for example, and then we were also worried about Norwich because they seem to be sticking too closely to what they were in the Championship. But probably they've done the maths and they'll they'll get trounced by the teams that are just in a different class to them but for the rest of them the rest of the games they could probably you know get some very creditable draws and enough victories to stay up on if puky stays fit because he's 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 crucial because they know they know he's prolific because he's done it for them already uh, and you know, they're really lucky that early in the season he's shown he can do it in the premier league that has to give the whole team a lift that the the the, the managers you know not in la la land he's got He's got a point that they can actually keep something of what got them there and stay up with that philosophy.
3: Good to see. I saw. Um, I mean, I watched more than my share of um, Championship football, and um, I mean Norwich were super impressive when I saw them uh, last year. But um, Campwell was uh, really shone out in uh, in a couple of games I saw. And he's one of those players you wondered whether you know huge step up for a youngish player, but he's you know he got. Um, Good, obviously, Pooky got the headlines, but um, rave reviews as well fr- from this. So it's yeah, it's it's going to be. Um, I mean, I, you know, I probably went along with most people did tip Norwich to go down, thinking that they're just simply not going to have quite enough enough quality. But it's um, I do admire a manager who, who yeah, comes up and um, is is sort of faithful to, as Alison said, to the sort of style that he. He feels that he he needs his you know will bring out the best of his players even if at times it is going to look pretty it might look naive and and they'll be sort of walking into into a few hidings.
1: I think that's the interesting thing about all three promoted sides this year. The indications are they're going to do that. Sheffield United going to play much the same way. Norwich clearly are. Villa I think are. But I think Pookie could be someone who's maybe the difference between all of them. I'm not sure. I can see a. 10-15 to 15 goals a season striker for Sheffield United. Callum Robinson, McGoldrick, not sure. Billy Sharp off the bench. Villa, there's a big question marks about about them up front as well. Uh, so yeah, I mean, he could he could well be the difference and um, I agree with Alison. I think he, Norwich could give a few teams a hiding, particularly at home, but they're, they're going to take a few as well because, as we've spoken about, their defensive record has not been... Not been good over the last uh, twelve months, and um, there's going to be again. Some teams are going to be, I think, some high-scoring games at both ends.
0: Mm. Yeah, so uh, plenty of goals for Norwich then at the weekend, but a lack of goal-scoring threat at the other end for Newcastle. Steve Bruce has some task on his hands, doesn't he, Alison?
2: Uh, well, yes. I mean, not not least because there's this. Really strange thing happening in Newcastle. That whatever happens through every minute of every game, there's the oh Rafa wouldn't have done that. Oh, that wouldn't have happened under Rafa. Oh, I don't like the colour of that car. I don't think they'd have allowed cars like that in the uh, oh, car park if Rafa was there. <laughs> it's just, it's just, it's. I mean, it must be almost impossible to to lead a team in those circumstances. He's not Rafa Benitez, and who who would be? basically so he he knows he hasn't got the uh, fans on side uh, a lot i think a lot of people in the media are still sort of treating him a bit as a joke figure he's got a, he's got a tremendous cv pretty solid cv certainly he's not a mug you know he knows his way round a training ground and a football pitch and boardroom shenanigans and so on but he he is he's definitely hampered by this idea that if something goes wrong it's just oh it, it, it's doubly bad because you know, compare and contrast under Rafa. The one true thing though, I think, uh, and it's his early days, but uh, from what I've seen of the, of Newcastle so far is they do lack that sort of um, pragmatism, sort of negativity almost to sort of try and get con- control of a game where they, they are being outclassed and are prepared to, to grind out a draw or a nil-nil, whatever. And they, Rafa was allowed to get away with that because he was Rafa and the fans allowed him to give them very little to cheer in a match because they felt he had a plan. Whereas Steve Bruce, he, he doesn't even have that. There was no sense that Newcastle were thinking we have to be um, really, really pragmatic here, you know, not you're going to go for it and we just have to be solid, solid, solid. And if we come away with a point, that's fantastic. There was no sense of that. So if you haven't got that sense of pragmatism... And you haven't got the fans believing in whatever it is you are trying to do. It's it's it it does feel like it's 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 going to grow to a crisis point already. Two two games in. That's
3: right. And Andy Carroll will be fit in about six months. So. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the saviour returns.
3: Well, actually, I mean, to be fair, that you know, you got a new manager comes in. He's basically just he's given a group of someone else's players, someone else's you know, uh, someone else's signings from from the summer. They're not fit so you know I, I, again it's it's there's there's clearly all all kinds of issues of of, of confidence and just basic but yeah steve, steve Bruce has got to get some basic organisation and 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 fighting that just as the there's a sort of starting point but i mean i have some sympathy for him you know i mean he took the job with his eyes open he's an experienced man but these are shall we say as usual at newcastle far from ideal circumstances
1: i think the thing that stood out in the joe Ellington, uh san maximan and Almirón—that's eighty million pounds worth of players who have who are not really pull, pulled pulled off any trees yet, n- nor have they scored. Uh, Dwight Gale's injured as well still, and like we say, Carroll—God knows when he's going to be back—and they've lost Rondon and 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 Perez. So God knows where they're going to get goals in the, mm. in the coming weeks, really. And the longer that goes, too, the worse the kind of the grief from the stands towards Bruce will get.
0: Mm. Well, uh, Newcastle didn't win a Premier League game until the 3rd of November last season. So maybe, maybe Steve Bruce will get <laughs> at least until November to try and turn things around uh, at Newcastle. Uh, finally, Gregor, should we talk about your piece in the game? Um, obviously, we, we know all about Bury and the situation that is happening there and disappointing situation. Uh, you've been to Bury, I believe.
1: Yeah, I went up on Saturday Um Obviously, there was no game again. That's their. I think that was their fourth fourth game of the season that was suspended. And if Steve Dale, their owner, does not satisfy the EFL that he has the funds to to run the club for the rest of the season by Friday, they, as it stands, will be thrown out of the, the football league. So I just went up and spoke to some of the fans. There's about a hundred or so gathered at, at Gig Lane, shut up, Gig Lane on Saturday. Um, it's a bit of a desperate cry for help, really, and. There was no one there. Um somebody had mysteriously left a gate open, uh, so they could file through and, and out onto the pitch and sort of see the old the old girl for one for one last time, perhaps. Um but it's really just so sad. You see people from all ages and uh with such long standing connections to the club and there was one guy I spoke to who whose dad was some of his ashes were buried in, in a cigarette case under one of the penalty spots. Uh and he's, you know, his mum used to serve the the players' food. His his gran and and granddad used to work behind the bar there. Uh, so, although you know it's it's a small club with three three to four thousand fans, there's nothing else in in these towns that draws together that number of people uh, on a regular basis. And um, it's just very sad that it's that it's come to this. And and really, I think the sheer volume of clubs that are in in financial distress at the moment and Obviously, Bolton a few miles down the road. I think really that something has to change in 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 the way that the game is regulating itself. Because at the moment, clubs uh, are falling into awful states, and and there's not really. It feels like we're stuck. There's nothing. Steve Dale bought the club for a pound in December, and he didn't. He's all the signs are. He hasn't got any money. He never had to provide any proof of funds, and he still passed the owners and directors test. So something is wrong there, and it needs to needs to change pretty quick. There's growing calls for an independent regulator, but the likelihood of that ever happening, which would be more than likely the Premier League, the EFL, and the F- and the probably the National League too, all kind of ceding control some some sort of control to an independent body that would need government legislation almost certainly. But that's what people are there's a growing call for because. There's not really anyone taking responsibility. The EFL the say they're a competition organizer more than anything.
3: Another thing I think we're saying, and a little consolation to 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 Bury fans, I guess, at the, at, particularly at the moment, is football clubs are incredibly resilient, aren't they? I mean, you know, we yeah. you would have believed that you know quite a number now would almost have sort of in any other walk of life they would have just have gone out of business. You know, mm. they would have gone out of existence. Um, but there is something about. A town and its football club, and you know, and how many we've seen. At, you know, Portsmouth, I guess, basically being one of the most high-profile cases where yeah, the fans, literally, well, Wimbledon, obviously, um, as well, going back to the, the whole MK Dons thing of just fans building their own club from the sc- scratch. And I, I don't doubt that, you know, whatever transpires at Berry, there will be a group of people who ensure that that town has it has its club. Um, the, the but no. it is, that doesn't mean to say it's not, you know a disgrace that certain owners can come in and and be so um, contemptuous to to, to their long support.
0: OK, that is it for now. Many thanks to our guests today, Matt Dickinson and Alison Rudd.
1: Remember, you can subscribe to The Times and The Sunday Times to enjoy award-winning journalism online, on your smartphone or tablet.
0: It is just a pound a week for an eight-week trial. Search The Times subscription for more information. And we'll be back on Thursday as we look ahead to the weekend's action when Liverpool and Arsenal's 100% winning start goes on the line as they face each other at Anfield on Saturday.
2: The Game is brought to you by The Times. For more information and more podcasts
3: from The Times, head to thetimes.co.uk.
0: As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone.